Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Being more intentional around how we train our nurse managers and taking them beyond, like, let me just show you how to make the schedule. Let me show you like where your productivity reports are. And those are the transactional things that we have to do as leaders and have accountability for. But having someone who is a transformational leader or putting it into the culture of the organization where, hey, let me model for you how we need to be having conversation with employees when we do check-ins. And these are the things that are really important to us. And here are the resources that you can have as a leader. And when you have those conversations, you can give something to your employees uh, that it can be scary to have a conversation when they're like, I'm dealing with this. And then you're like, what do I do with that now? Right. So I think also intentional training and support of the frontline manager, it would be really transformational for the organization. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you today with Danny Bowie. Danny is the Chief Nursing Officer at Trusted Health. And in this episode, we talk a little bit about Danny's journey and how she started as a frontline nurse and is now in a transformational leadership role with Trusted Health, looking at and addressing and providing solutions for systems-wide issues as it pertains to staffing in the nursing workforce. What inspired me even more to have Danny on the show is that she's doing all of this with also keeping in mind and at the forefront of their mission, the the well-being of nurses and nurse managers and nurse leaders at the same time. This was a great conversation. I think it will be valuable to you wherever you are in your career right now. So grab your drink of choice and join us. Hi, Danny. Welcome to the show. Hi, Jennifer. Thanks for having me. Thanks for joining me. I'm excited to chat with you today and pick your brain and your experiences <laughs> on nursing mental health and staffing challenges 
but I think I've always kind of been there but we're seeing it a lot more now. I mean, when I started this podcast in 2019, you know, healthcare providers were facing challenges then. Didn't know then that, you know, the pandemic would start and, you know, we would we would uncover a lot more of the issues that have been going on. So I'm I'm happy to have you here and to provide some of your insights. Absolutely. Yeah, happy to be here and kind of walk through, you know, trusted health. We uh, we really look at mental health and the well-being of our nursing workforce. It's it's super important to us. And so this is actually the fourth year that we've done a survey to understand the frontline's you know view and feedback in regards to their, their mental health. So uh, really happy to share that with you and uh, talk all things nursing workforce and mental health. Uh, would you like me to kind of go over some of the key findings or? Yeah, I just thought maybe we would scale back a bit about yourself because you oh, yourself sure. are a nurse, <laughs> your doctorate. And I think it's really important to highlight the fact that you are not someone who just, you know, is in this administrative leadership role for trusted health, that you yourself have worked the front lines as well. So you have that sense of integrity and have been there to know the challenges truly right there on the front line and are now collaborating with with other nurses and, and improving that. So yeah, if you can tell us a little bit more about yourself and then we'll get into the findings for sure. You got it. Uh, obviously you can see a little bit of my personality, like let's just get into <laughs> it. Can we just talk about you know the outcomes? Uh, so yes, I am a nurse and I've practiced for the last 16 years in a variety of different ways. But as you mentioned, uh, I have been in the trenches and I've done the work. I was at the bedside for five years and worked all all shifts, day shift, night shift. Uh, so I've been there in a 24-7 capacity. I was a charge nurse. I helped with throughput for our hospital. And then I transitioned and was a nurse manager for a couple of years, uh, managing a 27-bed step-down unit and a float pool for a large magnet hospital in a metropolitan area. And um, from there, moved to managing eight hospitals and looking specifically at staffing, scheduling, and their large float pool and how to create some flexibility and optimize technology. And that that set me on the path of, you know, becoming more of an expert in workforce, where I paired it with some doctoral study and research around predictive nurse scheduling and how we can really solve the nurse staffing crisis, and then continue to move on and help large health systems transform. So most recently, I was at Bonsacore Mercy Health, where I was their system vice president and redesigned their nursing workforce strategies and then implemented the, the redesign to incorporate new technology, new models that promoted flexibility for our you know 40 plus hospitals across seven states. But I would say this, this passion of mine was born from one being a you know a bedside nurse and a charge nurse, and then being a nurse manager. I think that to me gave me such a uh, novel experience about um, how we're operating, where the challenges are, you know, at the pain points of of managing the nursing workforce, uh, as well as the opportunities. And so that experience, I think, propelled me into really going after the nursing workforce, particularly staffing, scheduling, and how to change that industry. You know, a, a kind of a unique background. I, I never anticipated being an expert in staffing and scheduling. You know, never say never, I guess. It just, it wasn't a path I considered, but then I realized how complex it was and how excited I was to try and solve it. Yeah. And I mean, spanning your career of 16 years, like you're, 
you're really just getting started, in my opinion. <laughs> and I, it goes to show again that this, you know, five years going into administration, that um, that these issues and that that these have always needed attention, right? And that there, and I guess that's like any industry, right? Staffing is always going to need uh, attention, but not only the staffing in terms of physical bodies, but also the well-being and the the presence of our of our staffing right now, I think is such a big challenge um, with respect to mental health specifically. So can you tell me just before we get into it, tell me just a little, I know what trusted health is about, but tell my listeners what it's about, and then we'll get right into your findings. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I mentioned again, my whole career journey up until trusted. So trusted, <laughs> I joined trusted because trusted health is really um, changing the game and how we approach, you know, the nursing workforce and the staffing crisis. We have a couple of different um, ways that we serve the industry. And uh, first and foremost, we have technology. So we have workforce technology that is really helping meet the gaps in the staffing crisis through automation, predictive ability, AI, um, to really help nurse managers in the frontline get a better experience around how they can manage their work-life balance and pick up shifts. Additionally, we also have nurses. So we have a, a travel um, arm of our company where um, nurses work for trusted and then we we support them and they work across the country um, in all you know 50 states at different health systems where they're helping meet the staffing needs of those health systems when they have it, um, which is something that all health systems have a staffing need and usually travel nursing is a piece of your strategy. Um, when you look at, you know, how you manage your workforce. So we help meet that need when they have it, as well as provide, you know, solutions and opportunities actually to solve and help the health systems develop flexibility and better ways of managing their internal workforce so they can reduce reliance on travel nursing uh, if they so desire. Oh, very cool. Wow. So I have a question for you. And this is just something because I'm in Ontario, Canada. So our okay. health system and our nurse, the way we're paid, we're publicly funded um, in terms of how we get paid. So I know some of the controversy that I've seen on social media from nursing in Ontario um, with respect to travel nurses coming in is that they get paid more. Right. And I don't know if that's the same in the States or um, how have you and if it is, how have you navigated around that so so that we're all working together essentially um, to fill the gaps that we need to fill? Absolutely. That again, it's another um, I think statement, and in it, 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 similar to Canada, it's also been a conversation element in the U.S. as well. With the with the pandemic, what happened, you know, was huge demand for nursing, less supply. Um, just based off of the fact that some of our nurses actually left the workforce because childcare wasn't being provided. They couldn't get the services needed to actually go into work, mm -hmm. and as well as risk of getting sick, uh, also the isolation, et cetera. So just this perfect storm to exacerbate what was already a tough staffing situation. Um, with that being said, you know, the travel nursing space did grow significantly in the sense of interest and opportunity from the front line. Um, and with that, it definitely, you know, the payment or the rates for travel nurses went up. So what a health system was paying increased. Um, with that being said, so what I will say is 
what was happening internally on health systems as well as they were looking at how do you how do you compete and create more of the opportunity for your workforce to pick up your shifts. And so a lot of health systems increased wages, they increased incentive shifts, um, they created their own internal agencies. So I would actually say comparatively, the health systems and travel nurse space, there wasn't much of a delta between what the nurses were, were receiving. One thing that's not known to those who are not a travel nurse is, mm-hmm. you know, you do get paid for like meals and stipend and lodging, et cetera. But it's usually a wash. And so, you know, you still have to find places of where you're living and covering for your living expenses in that way. So it, it's not this massive gain that I think is perceived by those that don't enter into the travel space. So nurses, whether you were not in travel or you were, they were able to make a fair amount of money during the pandemic just because the need was so great that the incentives to get nurses to pick up shifts was um, coming internally as well as externally. I hope that helps kind of explain, yeah. you know, that yeah. it's, it's, it's something that I think people think about, but the last thing I will say is travel nurses actually, I mean, they're giving up leaving where they live. They're learning something new mm-hmm. and they should be compensated for not, you know, new environment, they don't have their community around them. They're living in a hotel or an Airbnb. You know, it's just, it, it's something that is a another inconvenience. And I, I do think there should be some compensation for that if they're willing to do it. Yeah, I, I agree. And thank you so much for clarifying that for me as well. So the other thing, you know, you being a, tr- a chief nursing officer at Trusted Health, I love how you're invested in the well-being of your staff and the mental health of your staff. So I'd love to get into that report with you. And was it of just your staff or was it also across the hospital sectors as well? Yeah, it was a survey. It's our fourth survey um, that we've conducted annually and we surveyed 1900 nurses, frontline nurses. So it's going to be nurses working in all different healthcare sectors, specialty. And so that's a pretty wide sample size to get Mm -hmm. some feedback in regards to mental health. But uh, if you look at the kind of the breakdown of it, we had community health, long-term ambulatory settings. We also had then the inpatient settings and then broken down by like critical care, you know, surgical, emergency, women's and pediatrics. Um, Yeah. And so, and I would say the majority of our respondents were under the age of 44, if that helps also give Mm -hmm. some perspective. And then the breakdown of like gender is actually kind of, it matches the composition of the nursing workforce in that usually the nursing workforce is about 90% women and 10% men. Mm -hmm. So it was about, um, we had about 12% of the respondents were male and then the the rest were female. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So the key findings, I've read like a couple summary notes, but if you could share what was most significant and what will ultimately shape the future of nursing, basically kind of the direction we're going in. Sure. I think what's positive about this report, like I said, it's our fourth annual report and we are seeing modest improvements. So from, you know, 2022 to 2021, we've definitely improved with our frontlines respondents, you know, rating their mental health and well-being. So that's great. What we will say, and what I will say from just what's existed in the literature, past practice of being a nurse, is that 
wherever you're starting maybe wasn't the best to begin with. Um, we already had some lack of reserve with just uh, the way that our environments are structured, stresses of the job, staffing deficiencies, et cetera. We didn't have the reserve of dealing with or the resiliency of dealing with and what happened with the pandemic to put extra stress on the workforce. So though we are seeing some improvements, I, I am hopeful that as we share this information with listeners and our health systems, that this continues to be a priority as we think about the well-being of our workforce and how we can support them so that, you know, in, in 2024 and 2025, we continue to see um, outcomes associated with the workforce indicating that they're they're healthy. And this is across the board. So overall, some improvements. And then we're definitely seeing some reduction in some categories that were concerning, like um, moral injury is down, compassion fatigue, and suicidal thoughts also reduced, which is awesome. Last year in 2022, about 10% of the workforce, you know, had um, some suicidal thoughts, which is very concerning. And that has decreased this year. So that's great. And one thing that I think um, that continues to negatively impact um, nurses, uh, mental health and well-being is actually staffing. So just like what, you know, I came to trust it yeah. to help solve and continues to be one of the biggest pain points and has been since I've entered the practice, which is the staffing shortages. So that is oftentimes the most cited variable that has a negative impact on the nurses' mental health and well-being is when there is insufficient staffing levels for nursing, which then leads to tough patient assignments and potentially your work environment, your healthy work environment. Mm -hmm. But some things also I mentioned that, that I would like to say it's been positive impacts. So what we just talked about, pay and salary changes for our, our nurses. So that has improved their well-being. Um, unit departments are responding more to the, the nurses' uh, well-being, and then also how pre prepared they felt for their job. So we're seeing some improvements there, which is awesome. And I'm super pumped about that. Yeah, because I had um, a question around that just in terms of, and I see it too, like in our own workplace, we have a lot uh, newer staff, like I work on an inpatient rehab floor. So they, you know, they're just kind of getting rehab trained. It's a different practice than it would be on a different floor, a different unit, right? And I, I can, like, they, they work so hard, but I know that they're fairly new. And they're kind of at this accelerated pace of having to pick, you know, the, the skills up as they go along, right? And so are we seeing that impact kind of over the last, last few years, I guess, or a couple of years, rather, during the pandemic? Are we seeing that improve? Or is that still a, an issue? Yeah, we did. We did see improvement with, you know, how prepared they felt for their job was what I would equate, equate to orientation and training. Okay. Um, but you hit the nail on the head with. Uh, so what happened during the pandemic, too, is nursing schools went virtual. Mm -hmm. There was less opportunity for practicums um, on hands in, you know, on hands learning experiences, whether in lab um, or in your job and uh, like as a, new, a student nurse. And so as a result, you know, you have a workforce entering into this really crazy environment of the pandemic, not great staffing, really mm -hmm. sick patients, high instances of mortality, which is very stressful in and of itself. 
And so, and doing so kind of in this isolation format, right? Because Mm -hmm. it was like, you had to gown up, gown down and the isolation and who can you meet with or not. So, so I'm happy to say that we're seeing the improvement there and, you know, kudos to our nursing schools and our hospitals and how they were trying to overcome the challenge of orienting new nurses in this phase of, um, you know, severe crisis, but yeah, improvements there. And I think that's a key piece in, you know, well-being and feeling like you can do your job well is getting trained there. For sure. What about the role of the nurse manager? on um because what I, I don't know how many episodes you might have listened to on this podcast, but one of the things that I've always felt and I've I've said on this show is that I feel like when um professionals are going through something, right? When their mental health is n- not um as sharp as they they want it to be or they're not feeling their best, that it's hard for them to reach out. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's hard for them to for us to take that initiative for ourselves. And I think there's a lot of inner dialogue as to why we don't for sure. But in terms of leadership, and you know, managers, let's say, I guess they would be the next the next person, right? Overseeing one of the things I've always asked, or yeah, I've always asked organizations to do basically is to have check ins, right? But beyond that, how do we invite providers into the well-being space to also help them to take care of themselves and to recognize the fact that that their well-being is imperative to the the quality of care that they provide um you know in any organization absolutely the, the nurse manager the, the frontline manager is a it makes or break that that role makes or break your organization as a health system fundamentally believe it is one of the top, toughest jobs i've ever done was being a nurse manager i had 85 direct reports, right? You're running operations that are 24-7. And oftentimes there's not a formal training path or plan set aside to be a manager of your unit. And so with that being said, what we found in our report is that, you know, unfortunately, managers aren't having direct conversation around mental health and well-being. It doesn't mean that they aren't checking in with their workforce and, you know, doing the due diligence of being a manager. But as you mentioned, kind of taking it to that next level and having what I would describe as a transformational leadership role. Mm -hmm. So I often kind of frame it up in in two ways. Um, We are kind of stuck as nurse managers. And again, I was one and I will say I wasn't trained to have these conversations. They are uncomfortable. You know, you have to establish rapport and trust with your workforce to have the conversation around their well-being and, and mental health. But a lot of our work is spent around staffing and scheduling. Right. And so it's a transactional relationship. Hey, I changed your schedule. You got what you wanted. Let me give you a (laughs) review. Let's talk about your pay increase. Yeah, to be incentivized for this. You know, so it's this transactional piece that has to exist, but that is a heavy emphasis of the work we do because we are trying to run 24-7 ops and get staffing met. And so that led me into my path of like predictive scheduling. How can I get technology to do this work for me? Mm. Because I believe tech can do this space of automation for staffing and opening up shifts. That's what we do here at Trusted with our product works on demand that I'm super passionate about so that the nurse manager is removed from the tasks that actually they're not operating at the top of their license. They are usually master, master's prepared nurses. They're trained in evidence-based thinking. They can run you know, research projects and we have them 
moving people on the schedule. Like it, it's mind blowing to me. So if we can get them out of this space of staffing chaos, which consumes the majority of the work, I believe they will have the space to be able to have these conversations with the workforce that, 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 that the workforce is desiring. Let's talk about your career. Who do you want to be? How are you doing? Mm-hmm. Did you get your, did you get time when you had this really tough patient experience to decompress, right? You have a patient code. You need time to decompress. You shouldn't be going from room to room. Or even if it's just another really unexpected event, we need to be able to provide time for our nurses. And unfortunately, just because of the daily grind of what's going on, that usually isn't the case. Mm-hmm. So Nurse managers have a huge impact. I will say they aren't trained well in handling these conversations. But if they are, and we can relieve them from these these tasks, that they are able to operate at a higher level. And we can give them the tools to say, have the conversation. Let's run through it. Let's practice it. Here's some resources you can give the workforce. What that can do for the workforce they lead and also give them meaning in the work that they're doing. I found great joy and passion in connecting with the nurses that I led. I love knowing, who do you want to be? What do you want to do? How can I help get you there? Um, sure, we can talk about your schedule, but I'm more interested in the nurses as a whole and what's driving and motivating them to work for the organization and work for me as their leader. Yeah, I love that. I love how you take in the whole like you're taking in the whole person of your staff. So one of the things you mentioned was technology, perhaps taking that off the like that pressure off of the managers. So looking back for yourself, what other things do you think that organizations can do to better support their managers so that they can better support, you know, the full being of their their staff, just in the way they they probably always wanted to, really. I think that's one of the reasons why people get into leadership. Is because they want to help develop and support their staff, not necessarily just to, you know, keep it surface level, as you said, in terms of just operating, which I understand as a 24 seven operation, right? So I, I get I totally get it all. But yeah, how do we how do we get to where we need to be <laughs> on the level of where everybody's fulfilled, not just the frontline, but also our managers? Yeah, it, it, that it's a, you know, it's this paradox that we're living in. And yeah. If you look at the nurse manager role, typically their scope is quite large. I don't know of any other managers that, like I said, I had like 90 direct reports, had to do all their annual performance reviews. I made sure their schedules were great, you know, like mm-hmm. um, time cards on top of it of running a unit. So I had productivity metrics to be meet our financial outcomes, patient experiences, our nurse sensitive indicators. Uh, were another metric. Um, so there is so much that you're managing. And I would say, first and foremost, our span scope of control, uh, mm-hmm. it needs to reduce. I don't think we should be managing a headcount that large. Or if we are, we need to have the right structure in place to sufficiently manage with assistant nurse managers and educators and schedulers and different support structures in place to help support the nurse manager is probably number one. But number two, is being more intentional around how we train our nurse managers and taking them beyond, like, let me just show you how to make the schedule. Let me show you like where your productivity reports are. And those are the transactional things that we have to do as leaders and have accountability for. But having someone who is a transformational leader or putting it into the culture of the organization 
where, hey, let me model for you how we need to be having conversation with employees when we do check-ins. And these are the things that are really important to us. And here are the resources that you can have as a leader that when you have those conversations, you can give something to your employees uh, that it can be scary to have a conversation when they're like, I'm dealing with this. And then you're like, what do I do with that now? Right. So I think also intentional training and support of the frontline manager, it would be really transformational for the organization. Um, One thing we did find in the report too, is that uh, peer support programs actually had a pretty positive impact on nurses. So not only are your nurse managers or your frontline managers key, but how do you foster and create a relational community around this as well? And being able to allow for peer support programs, even the concepts of like shared decision-making, how you run your organ, your unit and, and things like that, I think can have a really positive impact on a nurse's well-being that should be considered. Yeah, I totally agree. And I, I you know, and I, when I looked at the values that you hold, <laughs> uh, so to your core, I, I read that, that excellence, leadership, innovation, and I think we've touched on all of that really um, in this conversation. But can you tell me how those have those core values have driven you and have brought you to the space where you're at, and how maybe they can also help other organizations do the same and start to adopt this more collaborative approach to to well-being on every level, not just you know the front line, not just managers, not just executives, but all of us, so that we can feel supported and you know and find a better path to our well-being. Yeah, I. You know, very early on in my career, I self-identified as like, I want to be a leader. So I knew out of the gate, I was just like, whether it's formal, I thought I was going to be an ICU nurse, but ultimately, you know, became the manager and then took on these formal leadership roles. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I spent a lot of time studying leadership theories, um, reading about different leaders, actually like really inspired by our founding, you know, founding fathers of the, uh, of our country, just some of the things that they did to set America up. So like, I just love reading about different leaders and what they're doing and how they transformed whether out of need or you know uh, opportunity etc and so i would say that as as we think about the things like excellence and um, leadership etc really it just started with you know this self journey of how can i be a better leader learning and then practicing and trying there's things that i tried that I was like, yeah, that didn't work. Mm -hmm. Like launching my first team meeting or (laughs) how do I structure a team meeting? Um, Shared decision-making. I wasn't really sure what to do, but I think what drove me was curiosity and a desire for change. And so once I learned and did different reps, um, then it became more of moving into the space of excellence. And I think that's what I would encourage our health systems and our leaders to do is to lead from a place of being less fearful to try mm-hmm. and to try different programs and um, different uh, paths or bring in technology or build a new policy, whatever it is, like be curious, try and don't be afraid 
and you may fail, but from that failure, you learn so, so many valuable things. And healthcare historically is pretty risk averse, rightfully so. We're here to, to serve patients. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say that was like the driving factors of curiosity, wanting to be a leader and uh, studying it, trying it, failing, and then learning and then bringing in the reps to hopefully get better. And it's always, you know, an opportunity for growth. And, and that's what I'm seeing in the industry. Like, I speak with so many healthcare leaders and they're wonderful leaders and they have such good intention mm-hmm. and are working hard to bring transformation. And this is a health healthcare is pretty complex. There's lots of moving parts here. Um, so I want to say that with like the, the greatest regard of the leaders that I work with and that they are paving a path and making a difference. And I just hope to learn from them and they can learn from me. And so lastly, I think community. Not only are you, uh, you know, moving in the space of innovation and learning, but you're doing so in a community that supports you, or you can bounce ideas off of someone else in a safe space so that you can learn from them as well. And so again, that's uh, what a, what we do here at Trusted. You know, I joined a company because I knew they were curious, they were innovative, and they were going to change the industry and solve problems. And I was like, I can align with that. And from there, I will take on uh, this opportunity with curiosity and learning and uh, surround myself with with those that I can be inquisitive together with and know that it's you know a safe space which brings me to one last point I know that I'm talking a lot but I recently had a conversation with a leader who talked about kind of healthy work environment or the culture of inquiry mm-hmm. and how important psychological safety is in that space and this kind of ties back to the well-being and the mental health how can we as leaders create that safety uh, for psychological well-being where you are able to be inquisitive, bring up questions and do so without fear of retribution or just being you know, made fun of or shut down? Mm-hmm. And so I think we really need to continue to embrace that in healthcare of allowing for the psychological safety and in inquiry so that we can solve these problems. I love everything you just said. I couldn't have said it better. And I, I, co- I totally align and connect with everything you're saying. And I, and I love how you started with how it was, you know, what you wanted to see for yourself. It was kind of like the vision you had for your own profession and your own career and just who you are as a person. And I feel like that's why I started this podcast was to bring people like you on to share your journey to where you are today, which is having the impact that you're having through trusted health as well on well-being. So, I mean, sometimes we can get so stuck, you know, like I'm a frontline worker, for instance, and we think this is, you know, this is it, right? But really, we can go beyond that. It just, it, it ultimately does start with our own desire to do so. And putting in that, I don't want to say the word effort, but putting in that desire, I guess, if that's what you want to do, right? Absolutely. Um, and I love the, the culture of, of inquiry too. I think yeah. that it, I think that is the next step, and I think that the more minds are there are together, and the more collaboration there is together, I think the better for sure. And um, creating that culture of kindness around all of that, mm-hmm. I would agree. Well, thank you so much for being here. Tell me where our listeners can learn more about Trusted Health and also about your podcast, The Handoff. Of course, yeah. yeah. Thank again, thanks Jennifer for having me and. It was so fun to meet you and have this conversation. I'm on LinkedIn. So Danny Bowie, you can always reach out on LinkedIn. 
Um, additionally, for our podcast, which we have the handoff, and we talk kind of all things healthcare, this upcoming season, season eight, is around healthcare innovation. You can go to www.thehandoff.com. Uh, we also have an email at, at uh, thehandoffpodcast at trustedhealth.com as well. If listeners are like, hey, we'd like to you know, have a season around this or any ideas that they have. So that's a couple of ways that um, our listeners can get information. One around the podcast and the resources we produce, because we do also, as I mentioned, we're here to solve the problem. And so Mm -hmm. in doing so, we um, provide a lot of information around how do you build a flexible workforce? How should we be thinking about staffing and scheduling technology, um, incentive programs, all these things that we talked about, you know, as you said, like pay was on the rise. Well, why was it? Well, health Mm -hmm. systems, if you're building your programs, let's think about how we can manage it better and, um, and your workforce strategy and bring in, uh, you know, the right type of labor at the right, right time. Um, So yeah, we have, we have a lot of resources as well as the podcast and that's uh, where our listeners can find it. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you for being such a, a valuable resource to um, to all healthcare workers, employees, leaders, wherever they're at in their phase in their career. I really appreciate it. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes, and you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.